Good afternoon, everyone. It is office hours, and when I'm on the mic, I rock the mic right, and now I'm rocking the mic in double time with Mike Diamond and Michael Unbroken here on office hours. Welcome, everybody. Boom! What's up? Three hey, years, Melsa. Three years, three years last week, we started this. Wow. Unbelievable. Three years, and just got off with Travis Kelsey, actually, and uh, doing a little deal with him. He's going to be coming on office hours, going to do a little bit of the playbook as well it, what a great personality that kid is i totally totally enjoyed uh getting to to know people and speaking of getting to know people there's some people that we attract in our lives like i attract mike diamond in my life the diamond in the rough uh we right before covid uh connected like we had been together for lifetimes and i know that's probably true the same thing happened with michael unbroken as well and that's why i've invited him into the mix is we're traveling a little bit more and I thought, you know, what better way to create even more consistency in what we do over the last three years than to invite another brilliant, channeling, kind-hearted person who has been through the shit, uh, another spiritual brother. And just so you know, Michael, when I say spiritual, you know, religious people, they're afraid of going to hell. Spiritual people like us three, we've been to hell. Been to hell. Afraid of going back. <laughs> exactly. Man. And I, we and I know we walk through hell too much. <laughs> to the other side and take Do not want to go back. Uh, but Daryl made it. So we, we have plenty of time today. Everyone, I want him to get used to at Michael Unbroken. Uh, he is just uh, part of the posse. And he's going to add a lot to the mix. And uh, we have Daryl Martin is here. Founder and CEO of Apex Trader Funding. ApexTraderFunding.com. Welcome to Office Hours, my friend. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Well, we've been here three years, and we are excited to have you as part of that mix. And uh, you guys have an interesting motto uh, at uh, the Apex Trader Fund. Um, and it's one that I think is incorporated into my motto in life, which is make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. It seems there like you, you guys subscribe to the same thing. A little bit of more abundance in what has historically been a very scarce uh space yeah definitely um you know our motto like you said is traders helping traders so i was a trader i started out with nothing and uh, had to figure it out and work my way up and find some people who knew what they were doing and get things going and um built an education company and from there found out that you know the the big thing holding people back was not just the education but was also having the either the money to trade or, you know, scared to risk their, you know, college, kid, their kids' college savings account or retirement account. And um, so that's where I set up Apex Trader Funding, where it's a very simple. Uh, we've grown to be the biggest um, trader funding company uh, for futures in the world um, in just 18 months. And basically what we've done is set up a thing where if you make so much without losing so much, then we will fund you and you take no risk. We take the risk. We pay you out 90% of the profits. We make 10%. And then um, what we do is, you know, we look for really good traders and traders are trading maybe like a more liquid market like the S&P. We may on the back end multiply their trades. So maybe we're get paying them 90% on their trades, but we may end up doing like three more contracts, you know, on our own account. So we may make 300, you know. And um, so it allows us to sort of, you know, pan for gold, find the good traders, but give every trader, no matter how much capital they have, the ability to come in and get traded with as little as 25,000 up to 300,000. They can get 20 accounts. We have people that have $6 million in funding total. Um, 
We funded billions of dollars. We paid out millions of dollars, tens of, you know, I want to say $12 million already. And that's more than any funding companies ever paid out to traders. And this is really built for the, you know, retail freighter, you know, not for the, you know, Goldman Sachs, right? So it's for the guy who just, or the girl, the lady um, who just, you know, wants to get into trading and, you know, maybe they want to do it on the side and trade at night because they can trade from 6 p.m. to, you know, 5 p.m. the next day. Uh, maybe they just want to trade for, you know, I trade for like two hours at most in the morning and I'm done. Like that's my day for trading. And, um, and we have education that if people want to take advantage of that, um, my kid does it. Um, he is 10 years old and, you know, he wants to make some money for Fortnite. So he goes in and he'll, uh, he'll trade, make a couple hundred bucks and uh, go back and spend it all on Fortnite. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> that so, is uh, so cool. we do teach people how to trade it. You know, you can trade your own method. We have no problem with that. Or you can trade, you know, one of the methods that we teach. That's so cool. Mikey D? Yeah. So, all right. So you started with nothing. Now, oh, yeah. Had a I mean, my, my, dad, my, my dad was a drug addict. My mom was single. She was working her way up. Never got a college degree. You know, I was the first person in my family to actually get a college degree, uh, which then, really wasn't, wasn't worth a whole lot. But <laughs> No, no. But what I think is amazing. So instead of having a scarcity mindset, you go into this and then you give back to educate people, which is what people don't do. That's why so many people suffer in the trading world. So you talk as that process. So you have to go through so many setbacks and adversity that then yeah. you turn it around into a positive thing. I want people to understand that because that's what people don't do. They try to hold it on and we are about giving it back. So you can go into that for me. It's, it's amazing. I'm really, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. People try to trade on an Island, which never works, you know, <laughs> And um, one of the things that I found in anything I've done in life is if I teach how to do it, I become better at it. Yes. You know, especially if I'm teaching on a regular basis because it puts me in check. You know, if I'm doing it live and I'm calling out trades in a room, I can't just do whatever I want willy nilly. I got to follow my rules because I'm teaching how to do the rules. And um, there were so many things that I went, I mean, I bought these courses that were $10,000, $20,000, you know, and, um, you know, you, you do it and it's not working. And they're like, oh, well, you need to buy the next $20,000 course, you know, <laughs> and that kind of crap. Where all they're trying to do is, you know, sell you on some five figure, six figure course. And I'm like, if I'm going to set this up, one of my friends actually, he bugged me for about two years to set up this company because the way it got created, the education company got created was I found out my daughter was about to be born. And um, I was like, you know what? I need to put together what I've learned for her in case something happens to me, you know? Mm. And so I started recording videos so she didn't have to go buy all the crap that was out there and that she would know how to do it one day if something like if I was gone. And one of my friends asked me to share the videos with him. And, uh, you know, I, I have no finance background. You know, I mean, I'm, I was good at math, but I mean, my degrees are the math avoidance degrees. And, you know, I was, I was putting all this together and he's like, man, we got to make a website for this. And I'm like, what? I'm like, who's going to listen to me? You know, that was that was my first thought. I'm like, I'm not some finance guy. I don't have any initials behind my name. He's like, dude, you're doing it. He's like, you're the average person actually putting it together and doing it. And uh, so we put the website together after he said he bugged me for a couple of years. And um, I said, okay, but my number one rule is if I'm going to do this, I want it set up not just to be some big money maker. I want it to be set up as a way that helps people and isn't just trying to take advantage of them. And what I wish I would have had when I started. So like the education company, for instance, the first month is free with no credit card. Mm. We give you access to our indicators, to our training, to our trade room. You have full access. And the second month is a dollar. 
And the next month, the third month, there's 200 bucks a month. If you're not making 200 bucks by then or you don't see the value by then, then don't, don't subscribe. Right. So instead of having the hardcore sales pitch, it's more like, hey, if you're willing to come in and put in the effort, we, we put in the effort to make this program. We've, I've spent tons of money making these tools, you know, and we got three people inside of our trade room calling out trades. If you're willing to put in the effort, we're willing to let you actually try it all out for free. And it just takes you, you know, being committed to doing it. And because uh, that's really what it comes down. If you have a good system, the, the next hardest thing is actually, you know, putting it into practice. And um, and we've we've got a great name. Uh, one of the great things about that is we, we don't have people pissed off at us on social media, <laughs> you know, because we, we didn't charge them $20,000 for crap. You know, if they came in and they didn't like hey, it. Anyway, you even know, if you don't them. charge them $25,000 for crap, you still get shit on stole I stole gratitude from Gary V. So tell me how that's possible, but I got shit for that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe there's like three websites I found that don't like us, but right. uh, it's funny. It's like people just, well, they're not mad. They, they didn't pay anything. If they didn't like it, they move on, you know? Yeah. And um, we didn't take advantage of them, right? And so, you know, people are obviously have a lot more positive attitude. You know, when we do courses, there may be like $200 or $500. You know, there's something that should pay for themselves literally in two clicks, on a trade, you know, it's not, I could charge five, 10 grand, but I'm, I'm, I'm trading. I don't need to make money off of these. You know, this, this is, this is more of a side business that helps keep me accountable, helps me become a good trader. And, um, you know, and our tools, I can tell you right now that without the community of traders that I got to bounce ideas off of, you know, dozens and dozens of high quality traders that we went in and we built these tools together. Um, we it wouldn't be the system it is today, you know, because it took a lot of different minds, not just mine. I mean, they were like, oh, you're a genius. I'm like, well, I'm a genius for finding all you people, right. <laughs> you know, because we put it all together and together we built amazing tools that work. And my biggest goal after making it something I wish I would have had is something that's duplicatable. You know, it, it defines the entry. It defines the stop loss. It defines the take profit. It's not tilt your head sideways and read the stars and maybe you'll see the signal on the chart, you know. And um, so making it very duplicatable and, you know, that took, you know, 15 years to make it, I think, what I wanted it to be. And um, but it just, you know, it was a lot of time, a lot of effort. But it also, like I said, made me a much better trader. I can sit down on a chart. I can teach my 10 year old who started when he was seven. My daughter started when she was three. She's 16 now. Wow. And, um, you know, she wants to be a doctor doing Doctors Without Borders. Well, she can trade anywhere in the world, especially now with, you know, you know, Elon Musk satellites. Right. And so, I mean, she can just throw a satellite down, plug it into a laptop, make a few trades. She makes money to live off of while she's doing, you know, um, you know, char basically charity, you know, helping out uh, people, you know, around the world and, you know, countries that, you know, are under distress. So it's really cool. It's a, we've had a lot of people be able to quit their jobs uh, that they hated. Uh, we've had a lot of moms be able to stay at home. You know, my wife, because of trading, got to become a stay at home mom, which has been awesome for my family, for my kids, for me. You know, because she's able to, do, you know, maintain a lot of things that I don't have to maintain now. And, um, you know, able to do a lot of things with the kids. When I am busy, she can, you know, take care of the kids and, you know, keep them, you know, they're, we're involved with our kids. And, you know, we've had two amazing children who have turned out better than, I, I don't know how that happened. Because I was, I was just a little, you know, <laughs> a little third, uh, to put it lightly. But, uh, you know, two amazing <laughs> kids that we both poured into. And, I mean, that's what it's about. It's like, you know, having a quality of life and giving back. And I think the more you give back, the more you get, you know, without even trying. Right. It's like, it's, it's not that you're trying to get to, by giving back. It's just, if you give back, 
just the law of attraction, like just starts working for you and um, things, things start coming back to you, you know, without a doubt, without a doubt, just, we have a couple more minutes. Um, Michael and Broken's in the house with us and I'm just blown away, Daryl, and would love to maybe comment or a question from you, Mike. Yeah, of course. You know, when the first congratulations, I, I we were talking before we, we hit the live button here, you know, everybody who is on this panel right now has gone through some shit in their life. And obviously you have right. to come from a, a low income family background to create the life that you have today. And, and most importantly, to create a company that both gives back and, and helps you have the life that you want to have. What do you think is the cornerstone to your success in being able to take Apex trading to the level it is so quickly? You said $12 million in payout in 18 months. Like, man, that's almost unbelievable. Uh, I'd say the cornerstone was, it's, it's the same thing as Apex investing. Like I, I signed up for all these different prop companies, you know, funding companies, and I didn't like any of their models. They were all made to make money on fees. And um, they had all these, you know, BS rules that had nothing to do with trading. And I said, you know, what would I want in a prop company? And so I made it how I would sign up for it, you know, and that just, that resonated because since I am a trader, it resonates with other traders because they're like, man, this is the best company. It, it, you know, it doesn't have all these extra rules that hadn't have all these gotchas. And um, so it's really, it's building something of value that you want and that other people want. You've done an amazing job at that. And it's apex trader funding, Dot com. We have so many people in the comments asking, what's the trading course's name? How do we call? How do we sign up? Uh, it's right there. The, they hop on the tools page. They'll see the training course for Apex Investing. I think we're Luke and GJ are already on there. My two producers, uh, they're both looking down. I think they both made $500 already. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lose them. They're going to be like, sorry, Dave. Uh, I'm going to just uh, trade all day. Much more profitable than working for you in office hours. <laughs> anyway, uh, I am, I'm going to actually uh, have some fun with my kids because I want them to learn. And uh, I love bonding with my children by learning things yeah. uh, together that uh, I've always had great interest in and just looking for a fair way to do it. Uh, thank you, Daryl, so much. Everybody, you absolutely are diminishing your capacity if you don't at least learn for free or for a dollar, even if you're not planning on trading, I can't think of a better thing to learn than about training. Uh, it can help you in the industry career and job that you're in, understanding how this business works. You might as well learn from an abundant soul like Daryl Martin. Thanks for joining us on Office Hours. Come back and join us. Hey, man, I'm, I'm definitely coming back and I appreciate y'all having me on. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we talked about next on the mic, my man, Mike. Well, uh, it's not Mick Meltzer. It's Brian Smeltzer. The rhymes are Daryl and the burgers are Meltzer. Here we go. Hey, BrianSmeltzer.com. I love anything with Meltzer. <laughs> yes, you are. So good. Great to be back. Whenever I see Brian, I think of this story when I was training a kid named Andy Schmidt. And I uh, went to a law office and they said, Meltzer, I said, yeah, it's like seltzer with an M. And yeah. uh, and then the kid says, this is his very first day. He goes, he said, what's your name? He said, I'm Andy Schmidt. You know, like shit with an M. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> now I got the smelter is like seltzer. It's yeah. truly seltzer with an M. Uh, yeah. President of Liquid Mind. Uh, your new book is out. I had to have you back on. The Visionary yeah. Brand. Success formula behind the world's most visionary Brands. And I want to start there with the idea of a visionary brand, um, because I think it does take a subtle uh, perspective 
to understand, you know, building a brand or building a visionary brand, what's the distinction between uh, the normal brand that we may build comparatively to a visionary brand? Well, I think I think a lot of it. Thanks again, David, for having me on. Hey, Mike and Mike, how you doing? There you go. <laughs> Meltzer and Meltzer, yeah, Mike and Mike. <laughs> well, I I think um, you know, kind of carrying on our last conversation, David. For me, you know, kind of the passion behind writing this book was what I found actually enough was there's a lot of brands that are close to being visionary. You know, you think of the apples of the world, but there's always a piece of that formula that's missing. And I kind of chose the title by design. And you could have very easily said a visionary brand, but I said the visionary brand. What does that look like? And there's these formula or pieces of that puzzle that are made up to become a visionary brand. Because a lot of times I get brands that will come to me and say, what do I need to do to set a vision? You know, that's kind of that first question, right? Well, setting the vision. Well, there's a lot of pieces to that vision. People think, well, a great product. Hey, I'll just invent the next iPod and I'll be successful. Well, there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. And you're mentioning about what it takes to be visionary. It's great product. It's innovation. It's that visionary at the top that actually can see the future and then realize that future through others. And that's a key piece because, you know, you're only as good as your ability to perform. And without resources or people are going to execute your vision, you're never going to realize it. So, um, people got to understand there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle and, and being the visionary brand, everybody missing a piece. There's some that miss more than others. Apple's very close. Um, but even Apple has, has weaknesses to being a visionary brand. Yeah. Brian, um, I think, I think it's smarter, faster, stronger is a great book. And what he talks about is you never want to be first to the market. You want to be somewhere in the middle and you may want to be last. So when you talked about Apple, the iPod, there was the MP3 player first. And then Steve Jobs was smart enough, a visionary stuff, I'll put a thousand songs in your pocket, right? So he, he did it. Facebook wasn't the first, there was MySpace. Do you find with a lot of visionary brands in your research, in this book, it was great. It broke down that it's never, you never have to be first to the market, but you've got to be an innovative to know where you fit in that marketplace because people buy what's familiar. They like familiarity, right? So yeah. you started a startup, right? Yeah. But you weren't new to the startup business. You were new to the startup business, but you were successful. But you had to have known what a startup was, even though you hadn't started one. Do you know what I mean? So can you go, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So there's got to be a juggle there, correct? Yeah, there's, there's, there's kind of the context of that question, Mike, what I look at and I, I talk about with the brands I've been with and, and then inside the book, the visionary brand is what I call imitators versus in, invaders. Nothing wrong with being an imitator, um, but you're not an innovator. So a great story behind that is Skechers. Skechers is, knows who they are, and they're very successful at it, but they're not necessarily innovators. They're late adopters to a product that was innovative. So these look at these things that these great brands have created, and I'll go back to uh, Steve with the creation of the iPod. And it's a great example that I have in the book, actually, as a case study. And... Steve didn't actually invent the iPod just to have it be a standalone product. That was Walkman. And Walkman was a great product innovation, innovative at the time, but then didn't, didn't incrementally improve it. You know, they sold, I don't know, 200 million of them over 20 years, and, and then they went away. So, but Steve's idea was to disrupt an industry. It wasn't to create a great product. It was to disrupt the music industry. He knew in the back of his mind what the iPod was going to do. And look where it is today. And 
that's really what this ecosystem of Apple was built around. The foundation of it was a innovative product that disrupted an industry. Brilliant. Brian, I think that a, a lot of people who are entrepreneurs, business owners, creators, they have this idea of a vision, right? This thing that they want to go build, create, and in some period of time on the timeline of moving towards that vision, they get stuck, they get lost, they get corrupted, they get confused, they disappear, they forget why they're doing it. How in the world do you maintain and sustain your vision for long-term growth? Like, how do you do that? Well, I, the first thing I look at, Michael, is I look at with this innovation pipeline, and, and I call it actually surfing this pipeline, is that if you can create an innovative product, you look at the supply and demand curve, right? It's this, um, you know, being able to, and, and, and I use Apple as an example, Mike, because we're talking about it, the, the sustaining this generational brands, I call it in the book, those that are not one hit wonders, have been able to magically build product on the early adopter end of the supply and demand curve. And they've been able to surf it all the way to the back end through generational or incremental improvements. Nobody needs an iPhone 14. I'm fine with a 12, but for whatever reason, Apple's been able to create this ecosystem that everybody wants the latest and greatest. And you're talking about how do you stay and sustain generational brands? Nike's been able to do it. And they do it through also being able to build communities and, and what I call loyalty around the brand and the lifestyle that people adopt as a result of wearing their product. And, and, and I use a quote in the book, which I still do this to this day, I think it's one of the greatest quotes ever was from Ralph Lauren, where he said, we're not selling a product, we're selling a lifestyle. And everybody's got a pull up. But Ralph magically created this lifestyle. And that's really what I found, Michael, is that surfing this innovation pipeline, Apple's been able to do it. Nike, Ralph Lauren have built this lifestyle. Uh, Patagonia is an another great example of, they're not the best products in the industry. North Face makes probably better products, but it's just something that they've created with their community that allows them to be better mountain climbers, run brands, allow them to be better runners, whatever it may be, they provide value beyond product. And that's what allows them to be generational through loyalty in their community build. Yeah. You know, Brian, uh, I ran in 99, Samsung's first was called Convergence Device Division. And later on, they named them smartphones. It was a Windows CE device working with Googs and others at Microsoft as they were trying to disrupt uh, a market of transcoding XML onto WAP phones. And how do we utilize a, a Windows browser on a telephone? And obviously, with bandwidth and battery life being two of the inhibiting factors of that type of innovation and you know they microsoft weren't able to sustain the wave uh, from early adopters uh, and yet sony wasn't able to sustain the wave uh, there is a lesson through that uh, unbelievable experience of being able to meet uh, someone you and i both know uh, dr jacobs and paul and jeff uh, were working on the phone with me as well and of course, we used the CDMA dual mode chip at the time, and I was blessed to, you know, get mentorship from Dr. Jacobs. And he said something really interesting that had great vision to it. And you keep talking about community. We were looking at this, you know, what he had shelved IP and, he, you know, Qualcomm owned all these great things that, you know, they didn't bring to market or they purchased so it would never reach the market. It was, it was really cool to look at. And 
He said, Dave, what business am I in? I said, you're in the chip business. Without <laughs> blinking, I said, you're in the chip business. He said, no, I'm in the owning the customer business. And, you know, back in 1999, owning the customer didn't have the size, scope, and scale that Patagonia, Nike, uh, other brands have the benefit of, including individual brands like Mike Diamond, Michael Unbroken, Dave Meltzer, and Brian Schmelzer, that we can actually have millions of people in our community. Can we have billions? Probably not. Uh, but, you know, for an individual band, millions of people that you own as a customer are part of that community. How important is it to not just have a community, but actually own your community? Meaning Qualcomm could sell insurance. They could, you know, do whatever they want and distribute through that that community. And now the community is 7.6 billion possible yeah. at a very inexpensive rate. How important is it to own the customer? Well, I, I, that's a great question and a great analogy we're taking back a few years there david sorry right? i'm old <laughs> yeah so so this this um idea of, of community is really interesting because um you know i i use the one word that i think carries across all brands is authentic and and being able to be authentic with your uh customer builds loyalty. And what I mean by that is whether you're a service company, a product company, what do you do? That's a great question, David. And it can be answered both ways. You know, you'll ask an ops person, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm in ops. Well, you're also in customer service. Well, how is that? Well, you execute in fulfillment of the order in order for them to be able to realize a shipment that the customer then enjoys our product. So you're part of this string. And that's why I call this the visionary brand is may have great products, but if you can't fulfill orders, you're not a visionary brand. So you're, you're now disrupting your community that that voice then becomes amplified. Not because you have bad product, it's because you couldn't fulfill an order. So when you look at owning the customer of this community, it's number one, I say, is be authentic. Number two is be consistent and be consistently great. And if you're a premium brand, and that's predominantly what I talk about in the book are these premium brands because everybody's following because it's good, better, best level. And everybody wants to be a premium brand, but you're either a commodity or a brand. And you can't just say you're a brand without earning the loyalty of your community. So that goes beyond product. And that's why I mentioned that Ralph Lauren quote is because that's how you create that loyalty with your community and you become a generational brand by lifetime customer value. That's what you talk about, right? Is if you're just a commodity, your only competitive weapon is, is your price. But a lifestyle brand has a competitive weapon that they can control with their community. They just have to be consistent at it and they have to be authentic with it. And I think that authenticity has always been at the forefront, you know, and it's overused in some respects, but I call it your essence, your frequency of your skills, your knowledge, your capability or desire. But it's interesting because I find that consistency has always been my superpower, but it's never been valued as much as it is today because of the amount of noise and the low barrier of entry in order to facilitate starting a brand comparatively to, you know, I'm old, so 10, 20, 30, and even 40 years ago, uh, and so consistency becomes the horsepower uh, behind the visionary uh, opportunities and capabilities that we have. And I think it's a must read uh, for, for any entrepreneur, any innovator, any entrepreneur, 
uh, you know, both your podcast, the Visionary Chronicles, where we discuss things like this, or just reading the book, The Visionary Brand, and understanding that formula that you've created through all the years uh, of dummy tax and exposure and awareness that you've been able to uh, aggregate and coalesce into helping a, a ton of different entrepreneurs from San Diego to UCI to UCLA. All of Southern California has benefited from Brian's expertise and his knowledge, and now the whole world can uh, with his book, The Visionary Brand. Check out Brian Smelter, briansmelter.com. Buy his book. You will not regret it. Talk about a strong ROI. If you understand the visionary brand, whether you're a parent, a business, a service solution, or a personal brand, you will benefit exponentially. Thanks for joining the mics and me, the other Smelter Meltzer. Uh, Brian Smelter, come back again. I got other shows. Any more of you, man. Take care. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Great interview. Take care. All right. We're rocking and rolling here for the debut of uh, our friend Michael uh, Unbroken and Michael Diamond. And we were supposed to have another Michael, but instead we're moving things along just in case you want to know. We we have Prayful here, Prayful Natal, CEO of Win Home Inspection. Great domain, by the way, WINI.com. So my first question before we get into the revolutionizing delivery of inspection services, which is a huge business and uh, talk about, you know, a, a, a great business that's, uh, I think, misrepresented and misunderstood. I want to know how you got that domain. What's the story behind WINI.com? Because that must be worth a fortune. <laughs> uh, 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 David, first of all, uh, thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, well, thank you for being here. Uh, of course, um, it's a pleasure. Um, so uh, the history goes back almost 30 years uh, since the genesis of the business. And um, uh, the domain actually came around uh, pretty much when the internet was coming around. So that has <laughs> a lot to do with, uh, you know, it wasn't as much of a visionary as I would say, or maybe it was, I should say. Uh, but regardless, I think, uh, you know, we are lucky to have it. That's yeah, no, you, you remind me, I had a client, you know, you do a lot of coaching and it was so funny because he had built this pasta business and he was so focused on his pasta business and it, it you know, gave him between 200 and $500,000 a year and really nice man, raised the family, sent all his kids to college and then he had grandkids and he's ready to retire and, and he's having me assist him in figuring out the valuation of the business, you know, with the steady income over 30 years and building this business and Meanwhile, he had, you know, some remote uh, warehouse and factory for pasta out in Poway, California. And he had been focused for so many years on the business. And, you know, I came up with a valuation, you know, let's say $50 million was the valuation of the business. And he was thrown back. He said, Dave, I've only been able to take, you know, a half a million dollars the last few years. How, you know, how are you getting a multiple of $50 million? I said, well, you own the land and your building. And, you know, I don't know how much your head's been down, but, you know, Gateway <laughs> opened up uh, down the street and, you know, these homes are worth $2 million each. I go, you know that literally your building and land's worth $40 million. And he goes, oh, shit, I didn't even think about selling my land and business. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, but it reminds me of like someone who gets a domain 30 years ago. I, I was involved in the internet in 92. And I remember saying, I'm going to put aside $30,000 to buy domains and then never came around to it. Meanwhile, I've worked the rest of my life. Meanwhile, I've worked the rest of my life trying to figure out, you know, I could have owned the.com or aa.com. Like, what the what was I thinking? I'm so busy working, I forget to make money. Anyway, I'm going to hand it off to Mike Diamond. Uh, uh, you're the best. Let's get into You've been very, you're, you're very accomplished. You've done a lot, but uh, you're, Thank you're, you're, you're. <laughs> But he's, he's still going to humble himself to say he should have been 30 years ago bought the domain. Exactly. Domain, right? <laughs> so good. So you, you, your company, your inspection business is on an entrepreneur magazine and it's one of the, it's one of the fast, it is the fastest growing inspection company, right? So how, how does that happen about? What's the competition? How did you, what put you in this position? Cause you know, the, I don't know the inspection business, you know what I'm saying? So talk about that. Yeah. You know, I'm still learning the inspection business. So, so, you know, we are, uh, you know, in, in similar boats, you know, I'm not kidding. You know, I'm still learning the inspection business. So, um, so when uh, you know it has been around for thirty years, uh, home inspection is depending on what lens you look the industry at from, can be either very competitive or not. But when you look at the traditional home inspection industry, everybody says home inspection is a highly competitive industry, and to a very large extent, it is true. You know, who does the home inspection, right? And it's it's a mom and pop industry. It's a mom and pop businesses. Um, uh, I joined when about four years ago, just over four years ago. And uh, what attracted me to when to the industry is I saw an industry that I thought was fundamentally broken. Um, and what do I mean by broken is when you look at home inspection industry, what do home inspectors do? They do home inspections. It's like saying, okay, if I want milk, I'll go to the milkman. If I want eggs, I'll go to the farmer. In this right. day and age, we've got something called a supermarket where we can do a one-stop shopping. We have a one-stop. So uh, think about you know, uh, you know, the, uh, when, when, whenever you know, any one of us may have purchased a home. Most homeowners do not realize what all services and what all inspections they actually need. And what most homeowners do not realize is the scope of a home inspection is very limited. So when you're getting that home inspection report in almost every case, and it's not, it's no fault of the home of the home inspector, the scope in most states, the way it's written is it's very limiting as to what they're actually examining in your house. But then you say, wait a minute, that wastewater line from my house all the way to the city, you know, lines, you know, on that road is really my responsibility. Oh, by the way, I've got all these trees in my backyard and are those tree roots going into my wastewater lines? Tree roots have a way of finding their way wherever they water, wherever there is water. So they will get into those wastewater lines. And guess what happens? We get those sewage backups. You know, when, when we have that backup into the basement, most of the times it's because of all the debris, all the backup going into the sewage line. And But I just bought this house a month ago. The home inspection report was squeaky clean. What happened here? Because the sewer scope inspection wasn't really part of the scope. And by the way, what about those electrical hazards in my drywalls? What about hidden moisture in the walls? And you know, when is it going to start showing up behind that paint that may have been put over the walls? So a home inspection does not have that in scope. So when I looked at the industry over four years ago and I joined the industry four years ago, 
I had this aha moment. I said, gosh, and it's got to be done better. There's got to be a better way to do it. So that boat really put me on that quest. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel thrilled and very fortunate. Uh, you know, we call it the Wynn family at Wynn, that the Wynn family embraced those new ideas, you know, when I came on board. And uh, we are having a lot of fun. So we are really taking a very atypical lens at the industry. So going back to your question, Mike, of, you know, why we are the number one company in our industry, how we have become the fastest growing, um, we have really stayed focused on thinking about our consumers and thinking about our home inspectors who are our franchise owners. How do we make it better for our uh, consumers, for our clients? How do we provide them the best possible service? How do we ensure things they're not asking for, but they really need is something they can get. You know, in a former life, I very, very long time ago worked for an HVAC company and every single day we had to deal with people who were like, as customers, incredibly dissatisfied, right? We all hear these horrible things about HVAC companies taking advantage, getting one over on people and, and seeking money. And, and I think looking at not only your experience, but your background as a leader, you know, a huge thing for you is your standards and your values. What impact has that had on when and just your life as a as a person in business to help transform a scene that what you just said a moment ago was broken when you when you decided to step into this new territory? It's a great question. You know, it's a um, uh, so when it comes to I, I, I think of leading a life that's purpose driven and, you know, it doesn't happen every day. And sometimes it doesn't happen for a few days in a row. But I try and come back to it. Um, the and what I mean by purpose-driven life is going back, Michael, to the to your point. You know, it, it goes back to you know what are those core values that I feel I really have to embrace day in and day out. And I would say the first one is empathy. And and in the context of when, what I mean by empathy is, so we are a franchise system, and uh, we are the fastest growing in the nation in our industry. And um, um, so. What we have continued doing over the last four years, for example, is put ourselves in the shoes of business owners. We refer to our franchise owners as our strategic partners. So we put ourselves in the shoes of our strategic partners. If I joined the Win brand today and I have not been in the home inspection industry, maybe I have been in contracting, maybe I have been in sales, maybe I have been in HVAC industry. How am I going to get started? What kind of support do I need? There are so many unknowns when an entrepreneur or somebody with an entrepreneur zeal begins that business. There are a lot of questions that entrepreneur doesn't even know what questions to ask. So putting ourselves in the shoes of the entrepreneur so that empathy is really ingrained in everything we do. Um, the second I would say is gratitude. Um, gratitude, especially to those who serve is in our veterans and first responders. So um, at when 36% uh, of our strategic partners are veterans and first responders and including some active duty. So um, from interestingly enough, there is no published data on which franchise system has the largest percentage of veterans, but from everything that we can gather, you know, our assessment is we are likely uh, the franchise system with the largest percentage of veterans and first responders in our franchise system at 36%. When I joined when in at the beginning of 2019, that percentage was really high. It was about 23 and a half percent. 
and system-wide now it's 36%. So gratitude for those who serve and protect and gratitude also um, uh, you know, to those who put faith in the Wynn brand, whether it's our clients, you know, we work very closely with our real estate agent community all across the nation. And they are providing a very important service in their respective communities of connecting people to houses of their dreams. So for us to be prompt, for us to be professional. So I think, you know, breaking down the processes, understanding where are the bottlenecks, where is the friction in the process? And I think it really starts, you know, with that value of gratitude. Um, the third I would say is, um, you know, really of accountability. And, uh, you know, the, uh, one, of the, one of my, um, uh, you know, personal, uh, you know, quirky things suppo supposedly I suppose is, um, I start every day with the assumption that I have zero in my credibility balance. What we did for our strategic partners, for our communities yesterday is in the past. What are we going to do today to earn their trust? So, and I think I'm very blessed to be surrounded by just an incredible team, our corporate support team, and just a, an amazing group of franchise owners nationwide. So, so that culture of camaraderie, um, you know, is very apparent in everything we, we tend to do. And the last thing I would add there is, uh, you know, we like to celebrate, you know, from time to time. And we don't have to always wait to make celebrations of some really big things. You know, we like to celebrate even small victories because I think, you know, that's what life has to be all about at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm going to bring on a special guest here. Raluca. Hi. Hi. What are the four values of our culture and our business? Sure. Gratitude, which gives you perspective. Empathy is forgiveness and it gives you peace. <laughs> Accountability uh, gives you control and power. And then effective communication, which gives you, which is inspiration. Inspiration. Oh, or wow. Okay. Oh. Great minds think alike. Yes. MIT, MIT didn't let me in, but they certainly <laughs> taught us the same exact things. Uh, so I, I'm sitting here going, if he says effective communication is the fourth one, I'm going to ask him, what books are you reading? Uh, and uh, But I found Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the first thing that we teach, gratitude, empathy, accountability. I have moved and evolved in accountability to three stages. One is being responsible and learning lessons. Two is attracting uh, what we want and learning lessons from it. And third is participation in the perception and learning lessons, uh, which have led me to different stages. And it's amazing how someone who's in software design, business design at MIT, uh, obviously one of the leading technological schools in the world, is so emotionally intelligent and has chosen to prioritize, I am sure, processes into emotion instead of just software and uh, technology. So uh, I applaud you on multiple levels, uh, Profile, and I no doubt will see you at the top of every chart. And I don't have the data either, but I probably talk with more entrepreneurs than anyone in the world. And I will say that percentage-wise of you know integrating first responders in our veterans, uh, you by far are probably top of the charts worldwide as well in that hiring process. And obviously with the values that you have, there's no doubt why uh, you uh, are able to transition uh, the discipline, honor, integrity, accountability, gratitude, and forgiveness uh, that we teach uh, within our military and first responders, which makes this country the greatest country uh, that exists. People like Mike Diamond, Michael Unbroken, Profal, and Dave Meltzer we all can end up in a place that 
most people only dream of, even though we were born with nothing. And uh, that, that opportunity still exists here in the United States. Thank you for providing the opportunity for those who provide the opportunity to us by supporting so many of our uh, veterans and first responders. CEO of Win Home Inspection. If you want to win with your home inspection, make sure you go to winwini.com. If you want to spend a few million dollars, you can buy that domain, I'm sure, as well. Uh, maybe eight or nine figures. Uh, I'm thinking about it. I like it. Anyway, <laughs> please come back and join me. I want you on my TV shows. We got to promote more of Win Home Inspection. Uh, just, uh, just blew me away, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. See you Thank soon. You. Thank you. All right. Now, Michael Unbroken is new to the game, and uh, I do uh, want to celebrate you, Michael Diamond, uh, for three years of hanging out with me. Most people are usually going into rehab by that chance after three years for me. <laughs> but since that's your core business, I'm sure I'll keep – it might take four or five years, but I'll, I'll test you. Send me, send me, send me, right? Oh, no. I 17 years next month, this, in April. You that's way me. Look, man, three years with Meltzer is worth way more than 17 years. It's over. like dog years. It's dog exactly. years, right? It's like 21 years. <laughs> Look, man, I'm broke. He's been here one episode, and he's already like, God, are we going to do this for three years? Is this, is this rehab? What <laughs> am I doing? <laughs> I know. Luca's back there. She's finally smiling. She got a dose of Meltzer this afternoon. And I think I broke her down to tears trying to have her explain to me something. I'm like, I'm looking at my wife going, what did I say? I'm like, I didn't mean to hurt her feelings. I'm trying to help here. But, you know, now I have three teenage daughters. It's the same shit. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, this is the takeaway of the day section. We're bringing on the biggest and brightest minds. And a lot of times we're enjoying it. And it's entertaining, but we forget, you know, to take away what resonates with us. So uh, we're going to go around the table, around the horn. I'm going to start with Mike Diamond, then Michael Unbroken, and then myself. Mikey D, what is your takeaway of the day? You know what, really? Um, I was having a conversation today with someone on the show I'm working on with, with addicts, and it's about service. And what I loved by all our guests was they educated themselves, and then they brought a massive amount of value to educate others. And that, to me, is a really special thing that most people don't do. They educate themselves, but they don't pay it forward. So to me, it's always self-educate, learn more, and then by learning more, give more. I love it. Michael Broken. Yeah, for me, it's like a it's actually a theme of the day inadvertently call it God, Spirit, Universe, Mother Nature, Batman. I don't know where it came from, but I keep hearing authenticity today. Mm -hmm. And you see the success comes from the people who are willing to stand and say, This is who I am, despite whatever the world says they should be. And those are the people that change the world. I love it. My takeaway is a little bit different, but it really resonated with me. It's, you know, be a celebrant, not a seller celebrity. And every one of these great leaders that we had on have every right to celebrate, but they're more interested in, in being a celebrant. And I want to be a celebrant and one celebrate Michael unbroken joining you and I, but uh, pointing out that next week we got a book signing for a dose, uh, a dose of positivity. I have a lot of friends that are asking me if I'm going to be around them and uh, I'm going to be at the masters as I have been for 35 years. But uh, you know, I think I want to celebrate Mike diamond. That book is incredible. If you want to 
a guide to choose the better choice, the better choice in life to be positive. Um, it's not easy. You know, I talk about the simple things to do. Unfortunately, simple not to do. We talk about it's easy, man. Just, you know, you got people in rehab, you got people depressed, anxious, frustrated. And you're like, dude, just look at the glass half full. I, I wish it was that easy, but it takes people like the two mics next to me uh, to put the effort in to empower others to see that it is possible even to see the glass half full. And the simple things to do are unfortunately simple not to do. And that's one of the, the simple things to see the glass half full that isn't simple. Um, and both of you do such a great job. Mike, do me a favor. Uh, tell everyone when the book signing is. They can pre-order the book. I know on Amazon everywhere. But wh when's the book signing? April 4th in LA. If the people are in Vegas, April 8th. Both Barnes & Nobles at the Grove in LA, 7 p.m. It's on my Facebook. Um, April 8th, um, Barnes & Nobles in Henderson at noon. Um, that's the two, and then I'll be doing a few more. And then I've got the playbook with you, the 10th. That's my brother's, my brother's birthday. We're going to celebrate that as well because I prescribe and a mission to be a celebrant at all times. And I will be promoting the book at the Masters. Uh, so we will be all week long promoting a dose of positivity. Go ahead, everybody. Make sure that you're buying it all week long, telling your friends to buy whatever format you want. Go to the book signing. Take a picture with Mike. Give him a kiss for me right on the lips. I don't care who you are. Uh, he's not COVID ready, but don't worry. <laughs> I got. If you want some lip and tongue condoms, I got every kind of condom available to oh, kiss so Mike good. Diamond. Yeah, but my, I'm going to tell Mike, bro, I'm Mike, I'm broken. Just so you know, I don't know what other episodes you've been on, but Wednesdays get weird with me. He oh, just yeah. goes, he gets like every other with Mike and with Blaine. He's like, no, right? And you know, it's like Dave's a lawyer, so Dave's gonna be careful. Like, don't say that, I'll lose. I'm a partner in a firm. With me, it's rogue. He swears, he says, kiss him on the lips, he don't care. It's amazing. Mike, it's like my, it's my life is only professional when I'm not around David Milton. <laughs> there you go. Isn't it the best? It's so out of left field. It's amazing. It's the best. I love best. I love Wednesdays. It kicks off my the week. Best. That's why I call it more good news Wednesday because I get to see the double mics now. Congratulations, both of you. Dose of positivity. That's what you're gonna get with Mike Diamond, Michael Unbroken, and myself. Thanks for joining us on Office Hours. I'll see you guys soon. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everyone. Check out A Dose of Positivity. Email me if you need any information on that. Or if you want my book for free, I'll send it to you. Sign it, pay for shipping, and the, and the book. It's not a problem. David at dmelter.com. Be happy. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.